Hi, I'm Daniel Stoll, and I'd like to welcome you to the Come Follow With Me podcast. This podcast is a weekly discussion of the topics in the Come Follow Me curriculum, as we seek to study the scriptures and learn more about our Savior, Jesus Christ. I invite you to come follow with me as we seek to live in the way that he did. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Come Follow With Me. I'm your host, Daniel Stoll, and I, let me tell you, am so excited for this week. Um, This week we'll be covering Matthew chapter 16 and 17, Mark chapter 9, and Luke chapter 9. The title of this chapter in Come Follow Me is Thou Art the Christ, and this is such a perfect title. We'll get into that in a moment. Quick note, I just wanted to make you guys all aware, I am trying to keep these episodes shorter. I know I have been failing the past few weeks, but we're going to try and get through this faster today. Also, this lesson, we have a ton to cover because I found a bunch of amazing things to share. So I'm going to try and speed through those as fast as possible, and if not, then I might just have to cut some things out. And that's okay. But... If it seems like I'm going really fast, just bear with me. There's a whole lot of good stuff. Um, So, the topic, Thou Art the Christ. I love this chapter, um, and come follow me, and all the chapters that we're reading about, because it's all about Christ. That's the basis. But really, what we learn in these chapters is um, the continual reaffirming of our testimonies of Christ. And throughout all the different stories that we're about to read, we see the, or the disciples and how they um, will fall short in their testimonies of Christ sometimes, or they'll start to doubt him, or, um, well, yeah, just several things like that. But then um, there's just a lot of humbling that happens, and then just so many times where our minds are kind of blown because... It's Jesus Christ, and he can do anything, and we forget that so often, and that is definitely shown this week. So let's dig right into it. We'll start in Matthew 16, so verses 6 through 12. I'm going to start by reading those. Um, Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed, and beware of the leaven, which is yeast, of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they, being, okay, they as the disciples, reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves, because ye have brought no bread? Do ye not understand, neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then understood they that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Um, So quick explanation, because that's a little confusing. Pretty much, um, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, Beware, he's giving them this warning, um, and he says, like, beware the leaven or yeast 
of the Pharisees. And the disciples are a little confused because they're just thinking about bread when he says that. Um, and then Jesus is like, no, we're not talking about bread, guys. Don't you remember the times where I used bread to feed people and I had all these amazing miracles? And then last week, especially when all those people came seeking for more bread and I told them, I am the bread of life. I'm the only bread you need. For those of you who have been listening, we went through all this last week. Um, But this is just a great reminder. Um, And what Jesus is getting into is parables are for understanding, but don't take them literally because then they can be really weird. And he's also saying he's not warning them to beware of like bread that the Pharisees are making. He's saying, beware of the doctrine that they're spreading and the lies that they tell because they can take you away from me. So be beware the things that they're sharing, not the things that they're putting in bread, but kind of almost how we re- he refers to often like the fruits of the spirit or the fruits of somebody's yield. Uh, it's in a similar way. It's the fruits being um, kind of something that comes from something else or a blessing or an achievement of some sort. The bread is the doctrine and the um, all of the things that the Pharisees and Sadducees or Jesus himself are putting out there. So he's saying, follow me. I am the bread of life, beware of their bread, which, I mean, I can see how they get confused, you know, but the point of this parable is mainly just Jesus Christ is the son of God and he has all the um, knowledge and all the power, um, And so what he's getting at is, don't just, I'm giving you these like stories to help you understand, but don't start taking things too literally. You're supposed to be getting the deeper principles behind my word. And that's one thing we really need to take out of this is don't get so caught up in whether it's a parable or an actual scripture story, um, because there can be a lot of weird things we hear in the scriptures. I mean, take the book of Isaiah, for instance. There can be a lot of strange things. But the main thing is, in life, we don't have to be that concerned with those things. There are going to be some people that get so into doctrine, and that's awesome for them. They can be trying to figure out the most specific little details, and like the people that can do that, like props to you. But for me, sometimes, I just need to simplify things and say, okay, I don't know what's really going on here but I understand the principles behind it and that's what I'm going to take out of this. So this is kind of the key where we start the lesson is if you don't understand things, that's okay because you can seek learning, but the most important thing is just to take the principles which he teaches us. And Jesus teaches us all the best principles and all, Um, He always stands for peace and righteousness, and so that's really just the main thing we need to take away, is those simple little lessons.
So a few verses later, we get into a very interesting exchange, um, which did not make sense at all to me when I first read this. I had to do a decent amount of studying before I really got what it meant. So we're going to skip ahead a few verses and go to Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. Um, So Jesus is talking about with his apostles, how the world thinks he's all these different people or prophets or different things. Um, And then verse 15 says, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And then his disciples are kind of thinking. And then Simon Peter answered and said, thou art, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou Simon Barjona, For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Um, And then I'm just going to go a little into verse 19, but he says, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus talks about all this different power that he's going to give Peter, and he's saying here, like, your faith comes from Heavenly Father, and you have incredible faith. And because you know these things and you're testifying of them, you are blessed and you will receive power and priesthood power. You are blessed for your testimony. But then, go forward, literally two verses from where I just left off, and it says, uh, verse 21, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Um, So Jesus pretty much goes and he explains to the apostles, he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to be crucified after I perform the atonement and then I'll rise again. And then Peter's like, no, 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 that, that can't happen. You can't die. You know, he's like, that's, that's not going to happen. And then Jesus is kind of like, I mean, wait till you hear what he says in just a second. But I'm sure if I were Jesus, I'd be like, you're really going to tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, I'm the one who's like been leading you and shown you so many miracles and you continue even though you literally just testified of me you're going to tell me that I'm like not being truthful so Jesus says or it says but he turned and said unto Peter get thee behind me Satan thou art an offense unto me for thou savorest not the things that be of God but those that be of men Whoa. He just called the guy that he was just blessing Satan. (laughs) I mean, just think about that. If I was like, this is like if I was going up to one of my friends and I was like, you're so awesome. I love you. You're amazing. Like, you're going to be so blessed. And then they said one thing like, yeah, but this thing that you've planned out or this thing you think is going to happen, it's not going to happen. And then I was like, Satan. I mean, that's kind of how it went down. But here's kind of a better explanation of it. Peter started not necessarily rebelling, but he was kind of going against what the Savior was saying. And it's almost like 
he had just proclaimed of the Savior, and then suddenly he's like, but I don't believe in you enough to kind of believe that that's going to happen. Like, you're just, that can't be right. I mean, and I'm sure it was done out of goodwill. Like, he was like, no, I don't want Jesus Christ to die. But what it's getting into is we need to trust Jesus Christ. No matter what it is or how bad it may seem, there's always a reason and a purpose. And so rebelling him or rebelling against him or even just kind of pushing back is bad. I mean, that's not things we should be doing. We should just seek to follow him. Um, And verse 24 says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And we're coming back to that, come follow me, the whole curriculum. Um, But then if you look at the footnote, it says, for the Joseph Smith translation, Now for a man to take up his cross is to deny himself all ungodliness and every worldly lust and keep my commandments. So for us to take up our cross is to stop rebelling and forsake all worldliness, which even includes desires to turn away or push away Jesus Christ, which is exactly sort of what Peter was starting to do in just rebuking what he said. Um, So it's harsh, but what it gets to is we always need to be trusting Jesus Christ because he will know what's best for us. He knows the plan, and he's incredible. So why would we ever doubt him or turn away from him? Um, So the main key here is just to continually seek improvement and a better witness of Jesus Christ. Uh, So we've already gone through. Um, First, Jesus kind of reminds the disciples of all his miracles with the bread, and then... um, he explains, like, don't take the parables too literally because, like, I've done all these incredible miracles. Or did I say don't take the miracles too seriously? I meant the parables. But he's saying, I've done all these incredible miracles and I am Jesus Christ. Like, I am the Son of God. But you're supposed to be getting, like, the most important parts, not getting caught up in the details of life. Then he goes on and he has this exchange with Peter. And this is the second time where we really get a testament of Christ. And it's so interesting because in life, it's kind of like an up and down over hill after hill after hill. We reach the peak and we're like, oh my gosh, like Peter, we're testifying. We're like, I know this is Jesus Christ. But then something comes along and we're like, not even necessarily doubting, but still we're rebuking or pushing back. And really it's just the key is, to follow him, to come follow him humbly and seeking improvement. Um, verse 27 says, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. And what's just getting at is, it's a continual process. We're going to go over each and every one of those hills, and we will be judged by how hard we work to return to him and be humble and keep him in our hearts, how hard we work to reaffirm the image and testimony of Christ within us instead of rebuking him or fighting back 
or any of those things. And that's why this chapter is called Thou Art the Christ, because between these two and then several more experiences, we come to have several incredible experiences that just proclaim that he is the Christ, he is the Son of God, and he is the one that was meant to come here. And that is shown evidently in the next section. Alright, so we're now coming up to the Mount of Transfiguration. And this is a story in the Bible that I had never really bothered or um, been too worried with. I'd never really understood it or cared too much about it. And I'd never learned some of the deeper meanings or just some of the really fascinating things about this miracle. So, um, Matthew chapter 17 verses 1 through 2 say... And six days, or and after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. So, before we continue with this story, I just want to quickly um, talk about transfiguration. And it's not what you might think about with Harry Potter or something like that. Because, I mean, for me, that's kind of the first thing that comes to my mind. But in the Guide to the Scriptures, it says, Transfiguration, the condition of persons who are temporarily changed in appearance and nature, that is, lifted to a higher spiritual level so that they can endure the presence and glory of heavenly beings. How cool is that? I mean... We understood what transfiguration was in this case, but I still think it's really cool that we can um, just have like a definite um, kind of understanding of what happened is they were lifted to a higher spiritual level so that they could endure the presence and glory of Jesus. And that's the disciples. And then Jesus was transfigured to his glory as a heavenly being. So, um, and we'll get into the fact that the scriptures in the Bible don't mention that the disciples were transfigured, but we'll get into that in just one moment. So, um, verse three says, and behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Um, so, so, sorry, <laughs> um, in the same area, in the Guide to the Scriptures, there's a whole explanation of the transfiguration of Christ. It says, Peter, James, and John saw the Lord glorified and transfigured before them. The Savior had before promised that Peter would receive the keys of the kingdom of heaven. At this important event, the Savior, Moses, and Elias, a.k.a. Elijah, gave the promised keys of the priesthood to Peter, James, and John. With these priesthood keys, the apostles had the power to continue the work of the kingdom after the ascension of Jesus. So, in essence, um, when they came up to the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus appeared to them in his full glory, along with Moses and Elias, and then they bestowed upon Peter, James, and John the keys of the priesthood, so that the kingdom of heaven could continue on the earth after Jesus had 
um, been crucified and resurrected and returned to heaven. It continues and says, Joseph Smith taught that on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John were also transfigured. And that's where that comes in. They saw a vision of the earth as it will appear in the future, or in its future glorified condition. They saw Moses and Elijah, two translated beings, and heard the voice of the Father. The Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And that's verse 5 of this chapter. Um, so then, in we're taking away from the scriptures for a minute, but that's because all these different resources have some pretty cool things to share about the Mount of Transfiguration. You can read the straight up verses any day, but I'm trying to share with you these really fascinating things about this event. In the seminary manual for the New Testament, um, the teacher's one, not the student's one, it says, explain that the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible clarifies that John the Baptist, whom Herod had killed, also appeared on the mount. See Joseph Smith translation, Mark 9.3. Think about that. That's pretty cool. So not only did Jesus appear to Peter, James, and John in his full glory, but then Moses and Elias came and gave them the priesthood. And then John the Baptist, who had recently been beheaded, he was there too. And then it even that even makes sense when you look back into the um, chapter, and it says in verse 13, And the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. And Jesus is talking about his spirit being there. And he's there. Joseph Smith translation like explains that to us. So these are just some really cool things about this that um, like they're all here. I mean, it's not just some random event that happened. They're here. And they're here for a reason. Specifically, Moses and Elias. Why? Great question. So, um, further in the seminary manual, it says, According to Joseph Smith, why did Elijah and Moses appear on the mount? The answer is to give priesthood keys to Peter, James, and John. Um, and what it goes into is, um, you have to remember too, or if you didn't know this, you need to know that Moses and Elijah appeared in the Kirtland Temple on April 3rd, 1836, to restore the priesthood keys. Moses restored the keys of the gathering of Israel, and Elijah restored the keys associated with sealing power. That's pretty cool. Think about it. These two prophets have been restoring these same keys through multiple dispensations, not just in the um, scriptures, but in the modern dispensation too. They appeared in the Kirtland Temple. That's so cool. I mean, and they each have specific responsibilities or keys that they're returning and they're not bestowing, but um, restoring. So it's not just random people. It's Moses and Elias because they're the ones who are restoring these keys through multiple dispensations. And this whole transfiguration experience, the fact that 
The disciples had to be changed and elevated so they could experience the glory of Jesus and then meet these um, incredible translated beings in John the Baptist. This is a whole other um, just experience that reaffirms thou art the Christ. And again, that's the title of the chapter. It's all about Christ. And just this, or these chapters that we're reading are just testimony after testimony after testimony of him. Um, there is one more story I want to share, which is actually great because that means we're doing very well on time compared to most episodes. Good job, everybody. Um, but this story... Since I have a little extra time, I'm going to go ahead and read through it, which I wasn't originally planning on doing. And for this one, I actually like how Mark tells it better than how Matthew tells it, just because it's done really well. So, they come down off the Mount of Transfiguration. They've just had this massive spiritual experience. Um, I mean, it's kind of like in our lives. You must think, like, do you ever have those times when you're like, you feel the spirit so strong and you're just like, my testimony's never going to be shaken again. I'm never going to doubt. I'm never going to fear. I'm going to devote my life to the gospel. And then a couple weeks later, you're wondering, holy cow, how do I feel that way again? Because you haven't felt that way in quite a while. This is an example of one of those scenarios where we have to continue to reaffirm our testimonies of the Savior over and over again. It's just like a little while ago, I put up this um, tack on my bulletin board, and the note that was attached to it said something along the lines of, I know truth, and I will never forget again. But then just a couple weeks later, I was feeling really unhappy and just trying to figure my way back to feeling super happy and enlightened and spiritually uplifted again. And, I mean, this is just the whole lesson, is just like us in the modern day, even the disciples had to continually reaffirm their testimonies of Jesus Christ. We have to keep trying, and we are always going to fall short. We're always going to make mistakes. We're always going to doubt and fear. But the apostles did that. The disciples did that. And it's okay. Because as long as we keep trying and we keep reaffirming our testimonies and having spiritual experiences and seeking out those things, we are doing our best. And we need to appreciate the efforts that we're making. So even if we feel like we failed because after a major spiritual experience, we can't really feel the spirit anymore, it's okay, and we can always continue. So, this parable, not parable, sorry, this miracle illustrates that so greatly. I love it. So, Mark chapter 9, verse 14. And when he, Jesus, came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, 
he teareth him, and he foameth, and he gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him, and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. Um, and I just want to make a quick note here. So, this man's son has some huge issues. He's obviously possessed with the devil. A devil, not the devil. <laughs> um, but in the Matthew chapter, there is one thing that um, they didn't... Oh, they did put it in here, actually. Just realized that. Haha. <laughs> Um, skipping ahead a bit to verse 22, it says, And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So think about it. This devil that's inhabiting this person literally throws him into the fire or throws him into the water so he can, he's trying to burn or drown himself just like on a regular basis and he's been dealing with this his whole life and his parents must just be I don't even know what point I would be at that be if that was me as a parent I don't know what I'd be doing or how I'd be surviving I don't know how they kept their son alive so long but I they must be some pretty incredible parents right there and so Jesus said unto him if thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Oh my goodness, I love this. It's so good because it's so accurate of every single one of us. We believe, but we need help with our unbelief and our doubt and our fear that continually causes us to forget the power of Jesus Christ. This is what the whole lesson's about. Is allowing Jesus not just to be the center of our belief, but keeping him as the purpose of our, un not as the purpose of our unbelief, but as the purpose of um, our hope and our desire to have no unbelief. He's the reason that we do believe and we can believe. And it just gets better. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And then a verse later it says, But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was come into the house, the disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast him out? Okay, this is where it gets kind of rough. So Jesus just created this incredible miracle. He cast this terrible devil out of this young man. And he's just pretty much raised him from the dead almost immediately after. And then finally just kind of as they're leaving, the disciples come unto him, and in this kind of private tone, I'm sure probably a little ashamed, they're asking, Jesus, why couldn't we heal him? You gave us, or at least 
you gave, yeah, you gave us the priesthood and you gave us your healing power, but why couldn't we do it? And Jesus, um, I like the way it says it in Matthew better, but pretty much what he tells them is, you didn't have the faith to do so. You didn't really believe in me and you didn't really believe in yourselves. You didn't trust the priesthood power enough to overcome your fear of the devil inside of this man. And you didn't believe, so the miracle just didn't happen. When we don't use, especially um, the young men or adult men, and priesthood holders need to pay attention to this, when we don't believe in the power that we hold and the blessings that we are giving, then they have no reason to take effect. Just as the disciples are asking him, why didn't this work? And sometimes we might ask that. It's because we need to have faith. And the disciples didn't have that faith. So when we are performing blessings and awaiting miracles, and this does not just apply to men whatsoever. This is every single person in every single circumstance, in any kind of blessing or miracle or any type of priesthood ordinance whatsoever. If we don't have faith, then we have nothing. There's no reason for things to work out. There's no reason for people to be healed if people don't believe that it'll work. It doesn't work that way. It's our faith being strong enough, which creates and fuels those blessings, or at least that's the way I see it. Without the faith, there's no power to the priesthood. How can you hold something that you don't believe in? That's my question. And it's just a great example, yet again, of how Jesus Christ is our Savior, and we are going to keep forgetting Him and doubting Him and fearing mankind more than we fear Heavenly Father and the Savior. But when we keep trying, our lives will get better. We can do incredible things. We will feel His Spirit and have that faith, and life can be amazing. Um, a while ago, in a sacrament meeting, a wonderful sister shared something that affected me very deeply because it had to do with this, but then it took it a step further, um, especially in the New Testament. When Jesus is there, we hear all these incredible stories of healings and wonders and miracles, but this um, woman in our ward had been struggling with some health issues for a long time, and finally she got to the point where she was saying, my testimony is strong, don't I have faith to be healed? Um, and just in so many of these stories, people do have faith to be healed, like the woman with the issue of blood. Or this story, where he says, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. 
all of these stories, they had enough faith to be healed. But in our day where the Savior is not walking the earth performing miracles, the answer that she felt in her heart was, you have the faith to be healed. But do you have the faith not to be healed? And that is an incredible response to me. And it just reaffirms my testimony that we're never going to be perfect. Nothing's ever going to be perfect until we reach heaven. And especially if Jesus is not here to constantly heal us, our faith has to be even stronger because we have to have the faith to bear through our trials even if they might not be healed, even if they might not be taken off of our shoulders. And that's what's incredible about all of us, is we have the chance to continue going forth and believing in Jesus Christ and reaffirming our testimonies. I'm so grateful for this gospel and for everything it's taught me and for the chance that I have every single day to stop rebuking Jesus Christ, to stop fighting him sometimes, and to have faith and trust in him. Jesus Christ is the salvation of man and the Son of God. And this whole chapter has been about, I know I've said this a hundred times, but reaffirming our testimonies of him, despite the fear and doubt of the world. And that's the message he gives. Last week he said, be not afraid. And this week he says, be not afraid, do not doubt, but believe in me, and miracles will happen. And if miracles don't happen, then I will give you the strength to pull through. Do we have faith not to be healed? I love that. And as we're coming to the end of this episode, sorry, I know I took a much longer much more solemn moment there than I usually do, but it's just some things that have really powerfully affected me this week. So I just want to encourage you guys going forward this week to really reaffirm your testimonies of him. Remember him, and even when we fall short, keep trying, keep working on our testimonies, because if we have faith and we allow him to lift up our unbelief, then either miracles will, ha- will happen or we will be given the endurance and power to push through and continue on through these trials that might not end. And that's okay, because with him, we can do anything. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great week. Please take these things to heart. I hope they've helped you. They've truly helped me this week, so if none of you get anything out of it, at least I did. I guess that's the way I have to look at this. So, I wish you all the best. Have a wonderful week. Live a wonderful life. And reaffirm your testimonies. Jesus is our Savior. And He loves each and every one of this. Us. And I bear my testimony of this. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Come Follow With Me podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening and that my words have given you some spiritual nourishment. Come back next week for 
more um, learning about the scriptures and next week's Come Follow Me lesson. Please like, subscribe, and leave comments. I really appreciate any help and tips you can give me, and I just hope that I've helped you guys in your personal study. Thanks so much.